in the park, show of hands. Was it good? Uh, not, not so many. I've got um, memories of taking my um, kids to Sparks, Sparks in the Park or something like that and uh, lost a daughter. She went to the loo and, and we went to the loo and when we came out there was no sign of her and I remember running through the aisles calling her name, and, which is uh, not a great moment. Um, that stressful thing. And then actually the moment when we did find her, which was stunning. It's great when we called her and she answered, was just fantastic. And I've been thinking a bit about calling. Um, now, for people who are my age or older, you can help me. Can anyone remember the names of the dogs in the jelly meat um, advert that was on TV? Now, here's how it went. It went, they called, I know you're looking blank. I remember this because um, I used to stand at the bottom of my stairs in Invercargill and call my daughters for dinner and I would yell, Eleanor, Caitlin, and in my head I would hear, jelly meat for dinner. <laughs> because there was this ad on TV that had them calling two dogs and there would be, so, you know, I don't know, Rover, such and such, jelly meat for dinner. It just went on all the time and I'd try not to say it. Anyone remember that ad? Yeah, it, uh, yeah nods. Anyone remember the names of the dogs? No, sadly not. <laughs> I did occasionally yell it and they didn't think that was funny. It was just another dad joke. Um, and of course, look, in my mindset, being called for dinner is great because it means that someone else cooked it. Yes! But when you're a teenager, it's not always great to be called. You can be in the middle of something and your parents call you for dinner and it's like, you're interrupting my life. No, no one here has ever done that. Um, and sometimes when you're called, it's not so flash. You can be called to come and tidy up the mess that you made in the kitchen, or the business can call you because you haven't paid your invoice. Um, you can be called for... No, sometimes it's not great to be called. I had a, an unfortunate handicap, a number of them in life, but one is my name. And at school, when you daydream, and the teacher says, now we're just going to have a look at this column. It sounds so like Colin that I would sit up and go, oh, did they call my name? Do I have to answer a question? Um, which is, uh, uh, if you'd have a name different to that, congratulations. There are calls that are really important for us. Sometimes you're waiting for a call to say you got the job, or you didn't, or you passed the exam. There are, I, in fact, uh, because I was in a different country, proposed to my wife over the phone. So that was uh, quite an important call at the time. I was in a different country, as I mentioned. I still remember the hotel room in Boston. Um, can you remember an important a time in your life when you were called? Something was, you got a really important call or you were hanging out for one. Now is your chance to turn to someone near you and share. Can you think of an important call or one that you were hanging out for? I'll just grab her. I've been thinking about calling because we're about to go um, from, at the end of the service, we're going to go into a park, a bunch of us are going to go and help at Parklands of Play. Um, a lot of us live busy lives. We, there's so much available for us that we overfill them. And, and our difficulty is how much do we do? Which things do we do? So there's a constant question for Christians, what am I called to? What things 
should I do, and what are great things, but I, I'm not called to do that, I don't need to worry about it. Make sense? So just kind of a little message about calling and something about what the Bible has to say over that. I thought I'd start with a little reading. Abraham was 75 when he followed God's call and took a step into the unknown. Anna was 84 when she spotted the baby Jesus in a temple distracted by busyness. Moses was 80 when he approached a fire and was called to set people free. Naomi was weary and disappointed and on her last legs when she and Ruth began a new life. Simon had been round the block many times. Simeon, sorry, had been around the block many times when he held that child and looked into the eyes of his saviour. Saints who had seen a thing or two, followers who had learnt from life, disciples who knew the cost of dedication. Folks who wore the badges and scars of maturity, God spoke to them all and loved them all and valued them all, called them all, chose them and invited them to do what only they could do, as he calls us today, with our badges and scars as his very special children, to follow and to do what only we can do. Fundamental question of calling is who's calling and what are you being called to? So for Christians, we believe that God is always calling people. Always calling all people to come to God and to live well. And we believe that in that process, God is calling, is acting, the one who's acting. And at our best, we respond to that God. God acts and we respond. God initiates. God calls us, welcomes us an act of friendship, of hospitality. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went to the Rend Collective concert. Who else went to the Rend Collective concert? Great concert, eh? Yes, thumbs up? Yep, okay. Um, so if you ask them, it was a little odd in places, feel free to ask them about pandas. But in the middle of the concert, um, the band kind of left and the drummer stood up and started to do this um, stand-up comedy thing, which was, you know, he's mildly funny. Um, and... Uh, but it actually ended up being he was telling the story of the prodigal son and described the son who'd left home and everything had gone wrong and had run out of money and is heading in trouble but heading back to his father and the father eagerly waiting for him, waiting to wrap him up in the best road and have a party. And this was his way of saying, come to Jesus. It was a call for salvation and I have to say it was the least cringy call for salvation I've seen. It was a wonderful way of saying, because he said, listen, we are the people who are heading back to the loving Father. Oh, it's just gorgeous. And then, you know, who wants to do that? And modern twist, they got people to hold their cell phones and put their torches on. <laughs> and uh, I was lovely. Actually, honestly, one of the best come to Jesus talks I've seen, but that image of the Father waiting, keen to call you, come to me, running to you, that's being called. C.S. Lewis put it differently. He said that uh, in everybody's salvation story, there's a moment when we reach up to God. But he says it only works if God is already reaching down to grab our hand. So this from God is calling you. So we respond to God, and that's grace. Um, and Anne Lamott has a, she used to, when she was depressed, which does appear to be a lot of the time, she would um, 
go and talk to one of her good friends and spiritual advisors who would say to her, Anne, don't forget you've been pre-selected. Like one of those, uh, remember when we used to get those Reader's Digest invites? You've been pre-selected to win this prize. God has pre-selected you, always calling you. And our choice is how we respond. And so in 2 Peter, Peter writes and says, God's not, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Not wanting anyone to perish. He would love it if everybody responded. And later on, when, he tells the, when Jesus tells the story of the 99 sheep and the one sheep that strays, he has this line in there There's that, with that perish word again. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. God wants everybody to respond to the call as opposed to perishing. There's an old-fashioned word. What perishes? Fruit perishes, doesn't it? Goes rotten. So God doesn't want us to go rotten. Make sense? So I was thinking about call and I was reading through verses in the Bible and I um, read through some scholars and, and the scholars came back and said, listen, when you're reading through the Bible, there's kind of three streams of this call thing. And all I want to do is quickly outline them. And the first one is um, fantastic. It is the first call of God is for you to belong. I'm choosing you to become part of family. A call to communion. And so Hosea writes and says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And then, and we understand this one, the more they were called, the more they went away from me. God chose you. You're chosen. Okay? And all you're called to do is to belong, to become part of the family. Something that God does, he called Abraham and Sarah and John the Baptist, Peter, Paul, you and me. Called to belong. How much do you have to do to do that? It's not about doing, is it? This is about finding your identity in who God is. Who is calling me more than what we do. And, and probably so that we don't get impressed with ourselves, we find that Jesus a number of times say, I didn't come to call the righteous. But sinners, I didn't come to call the healthy, but the sick. And Paul later on writes and says, kind of, roughly, not so many of you were the cool kids. Yep. Instead, God calls you, and that's the important thing, that you're called. So our identity is not so much in what we do, but who called us. And so maybe uh, when you go onto a marae and you have to do a whakapapa, you, that this... When, you, uh, when you're doing them, you don't start with who you are, you start with where you come from, your tribe and your parents. So before I've said I'm Colin Moore, I'll be saying, Ko Ian Rawa, Ko Patricia, Oku Matua. I'm saying these guys, my parents, I come from them. And maybe as Christians, our starting is to say, Ko Ihu Karaiti, Oku Matua. I come from Jesus Christ. First thing in my identity, called to belong. Now, in church history, there's been fights about this. There's been times when they've said, uh, there was a time um, 
when people kind of figured, well, some, so who's called and who isn't called? Who's, who's elected? And, and there's lots of religious language about it. And there was a stage where people would say, oh, those people living off in a far-off place, so English people, let's imagine they would say it about India, because they did. Well, God's already selected them to, uh, uh, to not be called, because that's where they were born. So there's no point in interfering with God's will by going telling them anything. Um, that doesn't stack up so well in our thinking today, but there was a time when the church thought that. Um, my sense is that um, when Paul is writing and Jesus is speaking and talking about calling that every human is being called, our question is how much do we respond? The call continues. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. To be his holy people is not something we actually do. It's just... If you want a bad analogy of it, um, when someone's in hospital and you know, in, ER, in the emergency section and you want to go and visit... The first question they're going to ask you is, yeah, are you friends or family? You know, this, this, um, and if you're friends, can you just wait out here? And if you're family, through you go. Well, the answer is, if we're called to belong, we're family. You get to go in. Yep. Not because of anything you did, and that's why Paul, I think, keeps using the language of adopted, adoption, being adopted to a new family. So called to belong, question for you. If that's our first calling, anything we can do to help ourselves remember that? You're all giving me that worried. It's actually, it's catch-22. It's the wrong question because I'm saying, what can we do? And I don't think this is so much about doing. And yet, I don't know, the rest of the world is telling us our importance is by what we do by how important we are, how much money we have, by prestige. Um, I've printed off about 20 copies of this Who Am I in Christ? It's on the table at the back there. If anyone would like a copy, um, there's a bunch of verses in there that I would suggest you don't just read them all through, but maybe you pick one a week and you say, there you go, John 1.12, I am God's child. And just, just try a week of reminding yourself, I am God's child. Um, I think prayer is essential in this but I do think it's kind of tricky because I, we're very programmed to do. It's, it's, it's fundamental to us. Um, I would highlight to, did want to highlight to you, there's three. Um, uh, I'm a geek, as you know, and so apps, I'm an appy person. Um, um, I'm working on the H for happy. Um, there's three Bible apps that are quite helpful for this. Um, I know a number of people who are using the middle one, which is Bible in one year, Biog. Bi how do you say that? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Um, that's Holy Trinity Brompton. It, it's quite long. Um, you can listen to it or read it, but it is quite long, and I find there's too many words for me. Um, other people... What's that? A Bible in one year. It works you through the Bible in one year. Yep. It, um, I'm, at the moment, um, Jean put me onto... Well, Jean put Linda onto, who put me onto this Lectio 365, which is about 10 minutes a day, um, and starts, they use the word pray, and the P for pray is pause. And I find I need that, because I'm really used to filling my life with doing. That's really helpful. And there's another one called Pray As You Go. Um, there are three apps that if you just want to take, I think there's this thing about just being with God. There is for me. Because first and foremost, we're defined by that. And then this, hold on, I'll just go back. Any other suggestions? Had a bit of time to ruminate? Wanting to remind ourselves that firstly we're called to belong. Is there anything that would be helpful for us? 
Okay. Yeah, I think we tend to make it a solo job. And interestingly, that's the second calling, called to be. This is what the scholars say. The second calling is you're called to be in community, not just alone, connected to other people. And there's an assumption in there that if you're part of the family, then you'll have some family resemblance. If you get me and my brother in the room and we both laugh, for me it sounds like an echo. It's the same kind of laugh. Well, we're supposed to be like that with God. So... Um, now, I know Mike Moore is not popular in Christchurch. Yep. He died, and they had a funeral last week. And I was listening to the national radio, and one of the guys who'd spoken at his funeral said, oh, yeah, Mike Moore, he said, he didn't always help himself. He said, uh, in the world of politics, um, someone would do the duty to him, and we all, as friends, would be saying, right, well, we need to get back at the guy. And Mike would say, no, no, we need to move on. You know, we, we need to not go there, we need to, and the guy said, I don't think that really helped him in politics, but I know that Mike Moore tried to follow Jesus, and that was part of it, he wasn't trying to get revenge on his enemies. When you do that, there's that family resemblance, you're looking and smelling a bit like Jesus. And I do know Christchurch, Mike Moore, earthquake recovery, not Mr. Popular. So this thing about character is um, living a holy life, that we're not called to be impure, but to live a holy life, and that is to have the character to dress and act like one of the family. And it is a group thing, and I think we need each other. I think it's one of the roles of church, reminding ourselves, how do we live like, how do we live well as Christians here? How do we let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? Because as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Because that is not our default. Probably for most of us, there's a default of grumbling in there. How do we walk together following Jesus, not alone? How do we be a signpost, have that family resemblance to God? That's a group task. Well, obviously that works well if we know each other a bit. And that's part of the need, the desire to grow more in relationship. And I will flag briefly, organising that lunch together after church that's in the newsletter. Um, but Jesus kind of knew how forgetful and sometimes scattered we would be. And so... Um, Jesus instituted in church this thing where he asked us to remember him, which is kind of cute. There's a remember as in memory, but I think there's also a remember as in we've been scattered and we're becoming one for a bit, doing something together. And so in church, we gather together and our habit is to take communion together to remember him. So we're going to do that now. We're going to take communion I'll read some slightly formal words. We'll pray. We'll pass these elements of bread and juice out. We gather at this table to celebrate life. The life of God in the world made flesh and blood in Jesus embodied in us. We come to remember the body that was broken, the hands that touched the untouchable, healed the hurting, the feet that got dusty along city streets and at the lake shore, the arms that welcomed the stranger and embraced the outcast, the legs that entered homes and synagogues and danced at celebrations, the eyes that blazed against injustice, knew how to cry and saw the potential in everyone. 
The belly that shared the table with unexpected people and shook with laughter. The lips that wove stories, painted pictures of a new community and a better world. This blessed body of Jesus that was broken, abused and rejected, we come to remember for we are called to be the body of Christ. As you, risen Christ, remember our lives, so we remember you. And not only at this table, but in our life together, may we embody your kingdom and remember your life in the world. God, we give thanks for this bread and wine, a reminder of the flesh and blood life of Jesus, broken, rejected, and yet unstoppable. In Christ, we see a life that cannot be ended by death, a purpose that will not be silenced by the forces of violence, a desire deep within you for the transformation of this world. And as we eat bread and drink, well, in this case, it's juice, we thank you for the acceptance and tenderness with which you have transformed our shame into dignity. We thank you for seeing the potential in us, cherishing us and calling us to be partners in your vision for this world. And as we do this, we call on your spirit to come alongside us so that together in the company of your spirit, we might give ourselves afresh to the task of remembering you, of being the body of Christ, living your life in this world. Amen. This broken bread we share is the body of Christ. It's a sign of all we live and risk together as the community of Christ. Let all who seek Christ take and eat. And this cup we drink together is the wine of the kingdom of God, the sign of God's undertaking for the life of the world. Let all who seek Christ take and drink. If I can have the service come, if you can...